0: morning good afternoon or good evening starfinders and welcome to episode 28 of cosmic crit thank you for joining us so much i am your android best friend jabert and i am so excited to share with you this month's that's going to be march of 2018 this month's Fan Challenge, but before we get to that, we're going to announce the winners of our Skitter Challenge from January, I'm like a month back. But but we did it. We found we picked some things. So we want to say congratulations to Rabbit, Bamboo Telegraph, and Drake Sargent for creating some really great Skittermander personas. They were pretty fabulous, and I imagine at some point they may make an appearance. But before we get to our March Fan Challenge, I want to encourage you to stick around after the show for our interview with Organized Play lead developer at Paizo, John Compton. He joined us. It was very exciting. Um, If you're into Starfinder Society, you'll definitely not want to miss that one. But not only are we going to talk about Starfinder Society, John Compton is also the author of book two in the Dead Son's AP, Temple of the Twelve, which as you know, uh, we just finished playing. So uh, stick around for some insights and thoughts on that. Also, listen in for details on how you can enter yourself for a drawing of the rare, the illustrious, and the priceless Skittermander Boon for Starfinder Society Play. Uh, They guard that boon like an Incan treasure, and they don't let very many people have access to it. But we have got a drawing that we'll uh, describe in the interview about how you can get access to that boon. It's uh, really great. There's only like 20 of these things out in the world, and you can be one of them. So stick around. You won't want to miss it. We have another fan challenge for you and we're really excited about it. We're calling our new challenge Monster March. And get excited because this one's pretty great. You see, fans are going to have an opportunity to create their own monsters and submit them into us. And the winners are going to be featured in Patrick's random encounter table. So they will at some point show up in in our travel. Um, the grand winner's monster will not only go onto the table, but will also have special artwork commissioned and made available for anyone to use. We're creating a real life monster from our uh, super, super talented fans. Uh, This challenge is all about giving fans the chance to almost literally sink their teeth into our show with their own unique creations. So we cannot wait to see what you guys come up with. For rules and guidelines, go to our website, or you can find links over on Discord, Facebook, or Twitter. Again, we can't wait to hear what you guys come up with. So, without further ado, episode
1: 28. It's It's Always always Sunny sunny in Cabaret. Cabaret. Last time on Cosmic Crits. The crew closes out book two by bringing down the house. Or rather, having it brought down on them.
2: We solved the puzzle door to the Inner
3: Sanctum.
0: Numerology for the win. We opened an
3: amazing doorway to find... books. Yay, books.
2: We angered some teleporting statues.
4: Raimi gives an elven statue guard quite a shock.
2: Alindra touches a crystal, sees a vision of ancient elves, and learns to speak elven.
1: The group is finally confronted by Tahoman. (laughs) So that's Tahoman. He's one bad dude. Tahoman promises Raimi's death,
4: but only manages to meet his own.
2: Alindra was KO'd for a moment, but returned to the fight and managed a killing blow on Tahuman.
3: Episode
4: commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated.
5: I will get you, my pretty, and your little Isoki too! Welcome, dear listeners, to Someplace Over the Rainbow, as we're certainly not in Cabaret anymore. My name is Patrick, I am your... G.W.N., your good Witchmaster of the Northeast, and you're listening to the wonderful Wizard of Cosmic Crit. Traveling down the ancient Elven Yellow Brick Road with me are the stars of the show. They've been hunted by Yerix, Kaserix, and Kokariki. Oh my. Please help me welcome my five friends and five level five players to the game. To my left... Try not and step on his tail, or he'll jump at his own shadow. Drew, playing Israk. I just want some money, even. <laughs> to his left. <laughs> this tin man already has a heart of gold and two brains to boot. Jabert, playing Andis147. Hello, Patrick. Across the digital table. Pay no attention to the Technomancer behind the holographic screen.
4: Damn <laughs> it, that's <laughs> what I was going to say.
5: That's just Miles playing Raimi. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. And to his left. If she clicks her heels together, somebody's about to get solar rushed. It's Rebecca playing a Vallis.
2: <laughs> that is such a bad uh, Dorothy. Yeah.
5: <laughs> and to my right, if he only had a brain, he'd probably have more skill ranks. Tyler playing a Drosphoronis.
1: I don't know, but some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they?
5: <laughs> and not a lot of rolling.
1: <laughs> and not a lot of rolling. And are we allowed to say bad on
5: this show?
2: Oh gosh, can we not?
5: Oh, boy, <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just go back and do the entire thing over. again. <laughs> <I'm not
3: laughs>
5: hey, you guys, we are done with the action packed finale of book two. Congratulations. You're all alive. Yeah, so I'm told <laughs> <laughs> promises, promises, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this is a special episode because, uh, as we mentioned, probably in the intro, we have an interview with the Paizo Organized Lead Developer John Compton and the writer of book two. And you're not going to want to skip that because Mm-mm. not only is it a great interview, he's a really fun guy to talk to, but there's also a chance to win the rarest boon for the Starfinder Society organized play in there. And that's a chance to play as, like, one of, I think, 20 Skittermanders in the entire world. <laughs> so, so listen up to that. And this is going to be our, our wrap-up episode where we get to talk about, you know, what happened, what happened at the end of book two, the aftermath, but before we get to that, oh, we, we leveled up to level five last week Yay! at the end of the, the last the episode. End. Indeed. And I've done all about you guys, but I've been waiting to get to level five because in Starfinder, it means something a little bit different. It's kind of a plateau level where everyone's abilities go up and not just like <laughs> a single point. Um can, like in Pathfinder. But no, you guys like leveled, leveled up. You're, you're up there now. So let's talk, uh, like I said, a little bit about that. It means everyone went up a level in a class and you got more you know, skill ranks and hit points. But in addition to that, you all got four ability scores that increased as well. So let's talk about that. And uh, everyone, let's talk about, you know, one cool thing that you, your character got a level five, like a, a feed or a skill or some kind of class ability. Uh, let's let's start drew what what the what our favorite soki envoy get
3: so uh knack wow. with his uh, ability increases guy is gonna be a monster of out of combat uh rolling which is gonna be awesome <laughs> Oh, boy uh, spe- you weren't before <laughs> especially because uh not only does he get another uh ability that he can use his expertise die on but his expertise die now gets an automatic plus one added to it
5: so yeah, it's so- a Minimum of plus two yeah. for all those. those. Yeah, so, that's pretty nice.
3: Yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome.
5: Okay, cool, cool. What about your Burt? How about Andes 147? Yeah, Andes is looking pretty
0: beefy. Pretty beefy. <laughs> getting uh, getting that bonus to dexterity and intelligence is super great. And in addition to all of that great stuff, Andes just got act- access to their wireless hack ability and remote hack so Mm. uh, the combination of these two things sort of like they sort of work together when you have the exocortex class feature where you can hack a computer at range and with the wireless hackability you can actually devote your exocortex to doing that while you do other things so you so i could be in combat and firing my rifle while my exocortex is off like hacking a hacking a computer nearby
5: mm-hmm that's it odd. reminds me very much of you know hacker classes in, in games like cyberpunk where you can manipulate computers and robotics around you while there's a gunfight going on i think it's really cool yeah yeah i'm really looking <laughs> i'm really looking forward to causing some shenanigans with this yeah a lot of the classes they are cool they're sci-fi they're very fantasy but mechanic is just it's so <laughs> it's so different from a lot of the others. It really does feel like it's its own thing. It's own thing. It's own thing. Miles, what about, uh, what about Raimi? So, uh, Raimi gets
4: a, a magic hack at Another level spell five, yeah. but, um, I there wasn't stuff enough that was super enticing for my particular level for me to not use one of my bus slots. Mm-hmm. And so I elected to get kind of a more, still level one or level three Uh, magic hat and chose a level two spell inject nanobots t2 and what this is is an instantaneous uh, touch spell that injects uh, nanobots into my enemy and they take 4d8 damage as well as getting confused Okay, yeah, uh but I mean they
5: they get a, a fortitude and then uh Yes,
4: uh they, they get a fortitude save. save and if they if they succeed, they only take half the damage and they don't get the confusion.
5: But yeah, it's just like the jolting surge spell in that it doesn't provoke attack of opportunity, but you do have to get up in combat and you know, tap someone to inject them the nano
4: Yeah, I just want another spell that uh kind of because I I was involved in a couple close quarters bits the last hmm. Episode. That's I want another spell to kind of be able to to use in case, you know, I couldn't use electricity against something because, you know, the the elven guards, they they didn't take any burn damage. So I want to make sure I had some different. So
5: options. they I, I chose a C of the lore guardians in, in the, our last episode, and we didn't really get to talk about that fight too, too much, but uh, they. They just have damage reduction uh, for this variancy, the, the ones with the adamantine, like woven throughout. Mm-hmm. They normally have spell resistance, but it didn't come up in that fight because the, the upgraded version that I fought, it loses spell resistance against <laughs> spells that do electric damage. So it's like oh, the, wow! The first, first time you used that spell, I thought it was very funny. Anyway. That's that's hilarious. They, yeah, didn't even get a, a chance to use their defenses against magic. Next on the list, Rebecca, what did Alindra Vallis... Level five, not a, a big Solarian level, right?
2: No, not big for Solarians, but I did get some good loot from the last episode. But of course, in addition to my point buy for ability scores, I also had that ability crystal. So I think my strength might be higher than Adras's now. Um, so that's <laughs> I, I think
5: you have the highest, yeah, of, of any stat of any player here. You got a twenty in strength, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. Oh boy. Um, and then additionally, I decided to go with the heavy armor proficiency feat.
4: Yeah,
5: yeah. So I you can considered wear heavy armor.
2: Now. Yeah, I actually considered going for, um a like, one level in Soldier, but ultimately decided that what I really want to get out of that is heavy armor, so I might as well just take the feat.
5: A lot of people complain that there weren't that many feats in Starfinder, but I think it's good because you don't, like, have to take, you know, 12 feats to be the best. You can really just pick whatever you want to make your character customized.
0: Yeah, I've been, I've been one of those folks who's sort of complained about that in the past, but the more I've played with it, the more I've realized, like, well, it really does sort of takes away the penalty from, you know, for taking something like heavy weapon proficiency when. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just want to use that. You know? Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. So it, it's really just where you want to be in combat. And as we've seen, <laughs> Alindra has been all up in the front lines of combat. So <laughs> making her a little harder to hit, probably a great choice as we go into book three. Last but not least, Tyler, can you tell us about Edros Faranis soldier level five?
1: Yeah, he's still feeling a little self-conscious because he sees Alindra's got these huge muscles now, and he's like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> "She got swole between four. Yeah, and five. She, yeah, it's like she she went on some crazy acid elven trip and she came back super buff. What the heck's going on? Now he really hates elven things." <laughs> um, <laughs> Cool things that I got. I did. I I I do get a feat. We obviously all got a feat at level five. I chose enhanced resistance for mine for kinetic Mm. damage. So getting a little bit of DR. um, Basically, I get to negate damage equal to my BAB uh, as long as it's just. KAC's type damage which pairs really well with the some of the equipment that we got off of tahoman a thermal capacitor i believe it's called which yeah. gives me fire resistance five and cold resistance five so now i have a pretty decent set of resistances to mm-hmm. some pretty common damage types uh, besides that uh, for my soldier for my primary fighting style i now do not take any penalties for charging so i can cover more ground quickly to get into melee damage by being able to use a charge and not have to take the minus two to attack and minus two to AC because of it. So that's pretty (laughs) helpful. Um, The blitz fighting style all about, you know, getting up in there. So pretty fun stuff.
5: Awesome. Well, that's that's everyone. (laughs) Let's jump back into the game. And like I said, get to the the aftermath where we last left off on the show. The remaining cult of the Devourer led by this madman, Tahoman, descended to the... Holy site of the elves, after killing off Rakawi, uh, in front of you, the, they, um, you guys killed off the rest of this cult and felled Tahomen with a critical hit and then a solar rush to his chest, uh, stabbing him to death. Got that final blow in. So yeah, the dust is still settling from that fight. That's where we are immediately picking up. And yeah, the, uh, massive explosions that nearly brought down the temple around you are still kind of ringing and reverberating through the, the vaulted ceilings. And Dross at your feet, you're staring at the lifeless body of Rokawi. Her face is smeared with blood and caked in dust. She's you know, lifelessly staring back up at you. It's really sad. Yeah, what, is, what does Dross do?
1: I mean, I I, I kind of he, he'd
6: look to Andes. Andes just this, this looks really bad. Is, you know, is she gone? I mean, can, can we save her?
0: And- edris i i think she's dead i can do a quick medicine check to ensure that but mm-hmm.
5: 25 she was dead before she hit the ground this pretty wicked pistol that tahoman had a a disintegrator pistol just like took half of her chest and kind of disintegrated it i mean even if she had survived that then she was hit by all these rocks after the explosion and uh no one was able to get to her in time and the the scrum and the in the in the fight and she is is definitely gone irene i, mean, I we, uh,
6: what if we what if we got her back to to, to cabaret i mean there's got to be some i've heard of mystics who can bring people back from the beyond i mean what if we march all the way back there and bring her body and maybe someone can raise her i mean we've got credits if, they, if we've got tre- credits and treasures i'm sure that someone Someone there could help her.
4: Edris, it took us 10 days to get here. I Mm. don't think she could last that long, even if she had a chance.
6: It would be tough. We probably have to go day and night, but I I think we should do it. I mean, this is our fault. We left her out there alone. We should have never done that.
0: If I were going to make a check to see if, you know, if, if this would even be possible, my guess is Mm -hmm. that we would need to cast something like gentle repose in order to prevent the body from decaying. Oh, um, no,
1: I don't know that that's a spell any longer. Is it be a mystic spell? But I don't think or. I mean, so there are two basic, you know, bring bring them back from the living spells, I think, in Starfinder. There's the typical raised dead. And then there's the reincarnate spell, which I think is new, where you can bring a soul back. But it you the, the spell actually creates <laughs> a new body for them. Oh, reincarnate's and, been been around for oh, has it been for around generations? That? It's it's new to me, uh, <laughs> as I, I uh, but uh, yeah. So you basically can bring the soul back, but not into their body. But you still have to have, I think, at least part of the body, uh, the original body that you are trying to. That, mm-hmm. you know, the soul was originally contained in. So, and it doesn't. You don't get to choose what body you know is remade by the magic. So yeah, I mean
5: that, that's a possibility. It would be extremely difficult to get back to Turhalail point in time for anyone to be able to cast that kind of uh, of spell.
2: So, Alendra hearing all of this conversation would walk gently over to Adras and put her hand on his shoulder and perhaps telepathically tell him the best we can do for her now is to provide her a proper burial. We have to let go.
5: As you guys are are talking over, Dr. Solstarni, surveying the the carnage, walks up behind you all, does come up to Edras, and she says,
6: Edras, did did you know her? Was she she dear to you? I mean, we've only known each other for a few days, but I I I feel like she has gone through a lot of the past that I've been through. And I, I don't know, in some weird way, I think we connected when we were trying to get to this temple. And I just, I feel responsible for her death, for leaving her out there. So Sorsarni says,
5: uh, "The the girl, she didn't know what she was doing. I, of the cultists that followed Tahum into this jungle, I I could tell that she was the least under his sway. We spoke briefly over a week ago while on the trail, and when one of those caserics, those beastly monsters, attacked in the night, well, they nearly killed her, and sh- she got very sick. When none of the others tried to help her, I well, I did what I could, but." Tahomen told the others to leave her to die. I, I yelled and said I, I wouldn't I wouldn't cooperate and I wouldn't go with them but I, they, they dragged me away. I, I went to her and, and she pressed this into my hand and asked me to take care of it. She holds out an electric blue metallic locket and when you you know hold it in your hand and kind of like clutch it, a very small holographic image is projected of Rakawi and a, a similar looking pair of Lashuntans. They're smiling. It seems like it was taken many years ago when she was much younger. I I think she'd want you to have it now, Edros.
6: Thank you. I, I will keep it.
5: Let's uh, let's switch gears here and go to everyone's favorite duo, Andis and Raimi. <laughs> After the uh, the battle with the cultists, uh, you guys can inspect past the, the fight towards the entrance of where it seems like they've brought some equipment back into the, the temple. And it's standing by the large double doors. the, the entrance to the, the temple is a, a massive comms unit array. This is where we came in. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Back in the front here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you can go back there. You can see the traps that were disabled and it looks like, uh, yeah, the, the cultists might've just brought this with them. It is, its as you inspect it disassembled but it is a system-wide communications device and it looks like there is a, a locked tier two computer that operates the the system Ooh, hmm. you want to rock paper scissors to
0: see who uh hacks this thing let's do it all right i, I don't know how we're going to do this on, <laughs> yeah. on, on, on. <laughs> all right we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna type we're just gonna type them in no no, no we're oh. doing this we're doing this are right, you ready yeah. one, one two, two
4: three three go Yes, yes! <laughs> scissors beats <And>. rock.
5: <laughs> it's the dumbest thing we've ever done this show, and is throwing <laughs> throwing rocks tonight. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> All, All right, on. but but, Come on, but, Miles, but but seriously, can you help me out with this? <laughs> Absolutely, buddy. <laughs> All right, so Raimi has aided. All right, there it wins. is. Nice. A <laughs> Thirty-two on the computer's check. <laughs> Ugh, only a thirty-four.
0: Yeah, thirty-four <laughs> with the, on the high level.
5: Right, so you can tell a couple things uh, as you're looking over these computers. And I do it for 20 feet away. <laughs> uh, yeah, one, you're able to easily you know, put the machine together, boot it up, get it running. And you can tell unlocked in the computer's unsecured cache. You see it was used about three hours ago to make an outgoing call. And it looks like towards the center of the, uh, the solar system, towards the, the diaspora. You are able to access the stored cache with this computer's check to hack into the computer. And you notice as you get access to it, there is also a section of the data pad that is behind a firewall that also has a wipe countermeasure set up on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want, you can make another roll now and you can aid as well on that cool. uh, to try and get access to that. Let's do oh. it. How
3: okay. many people can aid on that?
5: I um, think If, if you've got computers, you can, you can jump in too.
3: If I'm, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to cut you out, Nack, I'm sorry. If if I'm if I'm needed, I will aid.
5: I, I figured you'd be getting all the sweet loot from the
3: fight. that, that is also <laughs> what I'm more interested in doing. But yes, yeah,
5: we'll talk about <laughs> that in a minute. <laughs> well, but yeah, go ahead and roll those computer checks. All right. All right. This one's a little bit harder. <laughs> so because I have hack directory,
4: mm-hmm. uh,
0: if I try this and I fail. I can make one more computer's track to try to uh, prevent that from kicking off.
5: Oh, right, the the, so, the wipe countermeasure.
0: Uh, yes, right.
5: So I'm gonna try it.
0: That would be a twenty three
5: plus four from the aids, so, so twenty seven. Yeah. Uh, that is enough. It was a DC twenty three. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so you you find a transmissions log in there, but behind the firewall, you find what looks like Tahuman's bank accounts, including receipts for the purchase of travel equipment. What looks like some shady payments to Twonus in the Lashuntan smuggler, and remaining in, in a few various off planet accounts, twenty five hundred credits. That I, that, that's, that's all yours. That to our accounts. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I high five, uh, Raymi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're in the money. <laughs> right. We got these weird wormy things. We got this.
5: We got this cash. We're good. Right, but the. Cache, the uh, C-A-C-H-E, uh, yes. uh, the transmission log, it, it looks like it is a an outgoing message that Tahoman recorded. Uh, do you want to play that? Yep. Yes. So it's him. It looks like he's standing on top of the, the mountain, you know, with the temple like way down below uh, in the background behind him. And he says, brothers, it is I, Tahomin I have found something for the cause that you will want to know about. After this discovery outside of Absalom, a large rock found inside the drift, I, I discovered writings within it similar to those found here on Castravel hundreds of years ago. I tracked down the source and determined it to be what the sages called a stellar degenerator, locked up behind some kind of gateway to a dimoplane in the stars. My mentor told me a legend about the elves of Yucalem finding a weapon of immeasurable power, and I think that is what I have uncovered. I might not be able to act on this information, but I highly suggest you put everything you have into tracking down the location of this weapon, and use it in the name of the Devourer. Tahomen out. Well, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, I don't like the, the stellar...
0: A stellar De- generator sounds sounds like a good thing, though. It makes... De- make stellar degenerator. de-generator.
5: <laughs> oh, no, it's the, it's the opposite of that. Oh, it's it's <laughs> the, opposite the opposite of what you were
3: saying.
0: Oh, gosh, no, it's the humanity. <laughs> we Color need generators. those. Sounds
5: pretty... Good. Oh, wait a minute, what?
0: <laughs> That's unlimited energy. Oh, no.
5: Yes, and this is a phrase that, Lyndra, you heard spoken thousands of years ago in this... Crystals stored memories of the the elves of uh, the Oatean elves, talking about the the temple and what they found. Stellar degenerator.
4: Uh, I, I have a question. He mentioned that he saw writing similar to that that was found on the drift rock. Have we come across that yet?
5: Yes, on you know some of the the writing. Just, uh, oh, just the, the writings on the walls and stuff. Well, no, the 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 books and okay uh, scrolls that he had out on the table in the the inner sanctum it looks like they they matched up so it, it was this this writing that you still you know don't really know what it says a language is not elven it's not you know anything you've you've come across yet uh,
0: did he also mention that he saw this writing on the drift rock correct interesting yeah. cuz i was under the impression that it was really just
5: us and maybe a robot recording everything that you did and uh, <laughs> putting it out to the entire uh, universe. Fair point.
4: Remember
5: oh,
3: remember that favorite Remember that Gilcrest had the uh, same
0: tattoo. That right, Gilcrest had that same tattoo, and his and last
7: r- his last r- word r-
0: was consume, and it made it made made it sound like he was maybe in with the Devourers.
2: Well, and somebody yeah. was it the sniper lady that had a whole bunch of Eoxian reality. TV on her datapad. So mm-hmm. they've been tracking us.
7: Really
1: quick question. I, we've now heard mention of a gate several times, but it doesn't seem like the gate is in the temple. Do we know where the gate actually is? Like this physical gate?
5: Right. So Dr. Sostrani can can help with that question because she begins looking over the, the notes as soon as possible and suggests maybe resting here for the night because she wants to dig into these immediately. Um, are her, you guys? She needs her spell slots back. <laughs> oh, I was about to <laughs> say it is. It is getting onwards in the evening at the, this point, so it, it might be a little dangerous getting back down the mountain in the dark. That's fair. Um, uh, do you guys it, want to make camp, as it were
3: uh, before before we make camp. So, if there is a gate around here, is that a possibility that we could take Raw Kawi with us and maybe take her through the gate to revive her? And
1: uh, I, I don't think it's that kind of gate. I think it's like a gate to eternal oblivion.
5: So she she looks over these notes. Yeah, she says
1: this this was not a place that perhaps
5: they they knew well about the, the gate of the twelve that this temple is named after. It seems to be a, a location somewhere in space, but all these notes, not not a single one, seems to indicate where it is. As if it were taboo to the elves to even speak of it. I think they they were that worried about what they had found from a religious and from a well from their their, their cultural mores hmm.
1: so we know that there's a terrible gate somewhere that possibly links to a weapon that could bring about the <coughs> oblivion of the cosmos but we don't know where it is correct
3: well in the meantime let's loot these bodies
8: huh <laughs>
5: huh <sighs> right so you knack found some some pretty cool Stuff including uh, you'll you'll have to get it resized, but the the armor that Talman was wearing it, it's light armor and it's a, a pretty nice upgrade over what you were wearing, right? Yoink. <laughs> and his pistol. It's it's like the first cool upgraded pistol we got, which was a what is it, a, a disintegrator liquidation pistol?
3: <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty bonkers. It's liquidator? Yeah, it, it does a tremendous a disintegrator pistol, a liquidator does acid damage, but it's only got a range of fifteen, so mm. if I want to yeah, use I get, it, I gotta get in close.
0: But isn't it like one D ten or something?
3: Yeah, it's a one D ten.
0: Yeah. Ooh, yeah. A little a little upgrade over your That's other a pistol. A, yeah. it, yep. Oh, I was gonna yeah. say <laughs> I was
1: gonna say you're doing probably more damage than I am. So <laughs> let me just let me just check uh, Sirenscape I, Acid Pistol, Acid Pistol. Nope.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, not not something you'll find in the Starfinder Core Rulebook. Even if you're not playing the Adventure Path, it is totally worth picking up these books because they got new spells and and, and monsters and in uh, weapons and armor. It's they're pretty amazing. <laughs> Tyler, do they just have like a splorch sound? Because that could be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need some mad magazine sound effects. <laughs> oh, oh, boy.
3: Luckily, it still just takes batteries and not uh, any kind of crazy special ammo. So,
5: yeah. So, yeah, do you guys want to make camp here in the temple? Rest up. I imagine oh, you yeah. might have lost some hit <laughs>
1: points. Yeah, after I'm, that. Yes. yeah, one or two. <laughs> one of the things Edris would want to do is... He would basically, he I think he would want to bring Rakali's body back to some kind of civilization and not bury her out in just like some, I mean, he doesn't really like Elvish stuff anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think he would try and get her into one of the bad guys' suits of armor and just turn on the environmental protections just to keep her from like decomposing at a faster rate. Um, Right. Just kind of vacuum it so that, you know, she's at least somewhat preserved as we get her back.
5: Yeah, I think... The, the most intact suit of armor is one of the cultists you fought in the prior prior episode that Andes one-shotted with a, a critical hit. And besides that, that one hit on it, the, the armor's pretty, pretty pristine. So you can easily do that while everyone else is getting ready, resting up.
3: We have a system-wide communications device now. Do we have control of that that we could use to communicate back to civilization?
5: The, because you guys hacked that datapad, you do. I, oh boy.
3: I wonder if, because we have found Solstarni and we have found this crazy important location in the jungles of Yukalam, could we, like, request a pickup instead of having to hike all the way back?
5: Right, so Solstarni uh, will suggest that as well. <laughs> she, doesn't wanna, <laughs> she doesn't want to spend more time in the Yookalam. She's had enough of you. So do you want to give her access to, to call the, the university? Yes,
3: she'd probably have a little more sway than we do.
5: Yeah, it's you know a fairly brief <laughs> conversation, and when she she gets off the line, she says they they will try and and cut through some of the red tape, but as it was explained to you all, the they do not allow vehicles in into the UCLAM. Hopefully, they can get teams out here uh, over the next few weeks to this site, but it is a long and arduous process. They. They do not think it will be possible. No. Well, we can at least get some rest. Yes. Th- yes, they are very happy to, to know that you are all alive and I am as well. And they have, they say, contacted Turhalau Point. So when we get back there, they will be ready to receive us with medical attention.
6: Well, do you think there might be a mystic there that could help Rakawi? Maybe? I mean,
5: uh, probably yeah. be too late. She kind of looks you over and says, I-, I do not know if that is possible, at All right, I understand. Yes.
3: Could... We potentially break the rules, contact the goblins, and have the, our ship meet us here, so that we could just hop in and
5: go. Yeah, let's see how oh. that goes. <laughs>
3: I like that <laughs> I'm, I'm
6: kind of actually I like that I, idea. Kind I'm of, down with that plan too. <laughs> let's roll those
0: dice. <laughs> they certainly won't crash this thing into the temple. <laughs> 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 no, it, it would was. be. It would be one of the most cinematic things to ever happen <laughs> on a podcast. But... Let's do
5: it.
1: I'm um, down with it. Armando. DC thirty
5: five reflex save fifty <laughs> yeah. uh, D six.
1: No, I'm sure that I'm sure they have like twenty or forty points in the pilot skill. I'm sure they'll be fine.
5: Hmm. Uh, well, if you do call them, uh, they do not answer. Yeah, her, yeah no, it's... Grubbredder does not answer do that.
1: They've probably taken apart
3: the communication They've system. They've
5: probably... <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> the is probably up on Cinderbox right now because he's been gone <laughs> for two weeks <laughs> without giving him any instructions. So, you know, Goblin's got... Yeah. goblin got a got y'all. Go, goblin's <laughs> got a gob. Gob's got a gob. Do you, you guys want to talk to... Chiskisks, let them know about your mission. Oh, sorry? oh yeah, I guess uh, we yeah. should check in with all the oh, old important makes. people. Uh, who wants Who wants to make that phone call?
3: I'll make it. Um, I got. So, you're I got. Just, I got. so chatty. Got Such st- a chatty knacky I got the stats. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to get some some kasaric cons- bonus pay out of this situation. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it is maybe the middle of the night. ...on Absalom as well. But when you call, they, they pick up after, you know, maybe a minute of, of getting a connection. And they
8: say... Greetings, Starfinder! It it has been so long since your last report, I had grown worried. Uh, tell me, how have you fared on Kesterville?
3: Well, uh, we've, we're in the jungles of Euclidam right now. We've been out of communications contact for about two weeks. But we found the missing professor. We're getting the information about the language and we may have stopped a cult of the devourer from destroying the known universe. We'd like to get out of here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're really ready to get out of here, but it's looking like uh, unless somebody can clear up some red tape, they don't allow vehicles into this jungle, so we are kind of stuck uh, trudging back for another two weeks. Do you think uh, the Starfighter Society could help it out? help us out with any of that?
8: As I said, I refuse to become another Hakuim Zahn. We must follow all of the rules of the continent of Eucalem. But what you said, it it sounds most troubling, uh, troubling news indeed. I, I will try and gather a team, including Waylos at the University of Kabarat to start studying your findings immediately. Uh, th- that's
3: that's all well and good, but our findings may not make it back if we don't get a little help to get out of here. I mean,
5: there there just- are you, you can transfer them via... The yeah, I was about camera. to say, just
6: send them electronically right now. So we're got, not gonna...
3: Guys, come on! No. Do you no, know nope, anything nope. about negotiation tactics? <laughs>
6: <laughs> nope, it's broken. Uh, you, we
0: can't. We couldn't possibly do it. Oh, no, Neck, it's not going to work.
5: Maybe but... I can help clear this up right now. There's no one going to pick you up in the ukulele uh... on the on ship. So... Right, so, we should just, <laughs> so we should just quit our belly aching, and
0: uh,
7: it is
3: it is
0: forbidden. Get ready to walk. But once get we get back to
3: the once we get back to the station, any chance we could be put up for a couple of days in the nicest spa hotel? Uh, you know, six or seven star deal uh, on
8: the on the station, just for our troubles with all of this. Oh, certainly not. It sounds like we have an even more pressing matter at hand. This this cult, you say. You have to equip yourselves and help track down whoever Tahoman sent that message to. So equipping, that's a very
3: important thing, because we might need a little, uh... Th- these guys seem pretty, pretty, uh... uh what's, what's the word? Dangerous. And uh, we might need some some funds to, to get ourselves some nice new gear, some weapons, some some stuff for our ship so we can track these guys down. What do you say the Starfighter Society help us out with that a little bit, huh?
5: They, they type into
8: their keyboard on the other end and says, uh... We as a society are still reeling from the Scoured Stars incident. And right now you are my five most trusted agents in the field that are equipped to handle this. I am allocating resources to a garage on Castroville to help upgrade the Drift Rider. It, it, it will take you some time to return to your vessel, but then we need you to get out and begin to investigate Tahoman's transmission immediately. If the Cult of the Devourer is seeking this knowledge, the Starfinders need to beat them to it.
0: So could I just call ahead to the garage
5: and kind of put in like orders and like kind of Yes List out some specs just be like just have the ship ready when we get there Yeah and and, I mean it will take some time to to travel in the solar system so you can even make some of the the upgrades you know do some changes to the ship while you're before you leave and, and after Okay cool Right, so let's let's wrap that up. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to do before you go to go to sleep that night before you sign off?
3: Uh have, cults have a lot of money. Typically cult leaders make, make uh tons of bank. We sure that we've gotten all of the, the goodies off of uh Tahoman and these other cats, any cred sticks lying around, anything like that.
1: I just imagine Knack like holding somebody up at by their ankles and just like shaking them. Just like they gotta have something.
0: Come on. This from the guy in the three hundred credit <laughs> suit, come on. <laughs>
5: <laughs> we did most of the the gear stuff between uh, you know last week and this week off the the air because there's a lot of we had a lot of stuff on these these uh, these cultists that you killed, but for the most part, I imagine we will do gear between this week and next week as as you guys sell items whenever you, you get back to to Cabaret and Just and
3: looking for cred sticks, man, just looking for cred sticks. Great.
5: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, They, the cultists do, you know, they have between like 50, 150 creds on them. This is the worst cult. The next morning, you guys are collecting your gear to to head out. And Alindra, you see the ancient elven battle armor still on the ground where Panelier fell. The body, you know, completely gone at this point. Do, Do you want to take it with you? Yes. Right. So it is this ancient archaic armor. But for some reason, it just speaks to you. He was the, the guardian of this place for millennia. Alindra, <laughs> and- you got more elven artifacts speaking to you over there? <laughs>
2: Yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine, Max.
6: <laughs> <coughs> 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 <laughs> <laughs> quit look, quit looking at my stuff. <laughs>
3: how much is that worth? <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about how she picked up a stone and it, she had a whole vision last week, but
5: that's right. Fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. never mind. So. so it's the morning here. It's it's cool and clear, full of sunlight coming in. When you leave the temple, Alindra, you see this vision of a, a shadowy female form again, moving between the the broken columns. Of the courtyard in, in front of the temple's entrance, kind of moving towards the the west. What do you want to do?
2: Uh, follow it. It took me to an ability crystal before.
5: So. <laughs> oh, that's this something. This is something we all see. This is something only Alindra sees. Well, do we yeah. see
1: Alindra following it to the west?
5: Yeah, I, ma- I imagine she'll just kind of peel off as you guys are getting your gear ready, and it leads you, Alindra, to the the back of this courtyard. To a very large stone ring, and as you touch it, a large arc of the orange energy that seemed to surround Penelier surges out of your hand and into the stone. There's a cracking noise as some of the, the rocks jump into life and others creak under their own weight, crushing pieces to flinders and, and sending a big plume of dust around the air around this stone arc is electrified, and all of a sudden you are pushed backwards by a magic force as a portal of dark energy opens and fills in the void, creating what looks very similar to a, a small elf gate. El
7: oh dang! Cha-ching.
2: <laughs> uh oh. stands in in wonder at the the sight in front of her and calls to her friends on her comm unit to come here, guys. You might want to see this.
3: We just uh, scramble over there.
5: Right, yes. Yeah, so, Holy
2: crap, it's a gate!
5: <laughs> no it's idea. dark
2: energy, though, do we mm-hmm. really want to and, touch
5: that? Um, where does it go?
3: Is Robob here? Can we throw Robob through there to see if. Uh, no, Robob
6: is not here. I'm, I, I'm, I'd be willing to test the gate. If this gate is. Why, why don't I do a
4: mysticism check? Oh, that would be a good idea. Plus 10. Uh, that's 14.
5: I mean, it definitely does seem like a very similar uh, teleportation magic that you observed previous time you went through one of these gates from Kabarat to Terhalau. Maybe a lot more concentrated, a lot smaller.
0: I'm gonna poke this uh, this uh, utility scatter gun through and see if it uh, comes back disintegrated.
5: Is it, is it <laughs> safe? Y- yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> That's
0: okay, all cool. good.
1: Uh, I
5: feel a- like we look like Edris goblins. Would,
2: like, what is this thing? Like, <laughs> this is the beginning of the stick. The
5: beginning of <laughs> two thousand one, a space odyssey.
2: Right.
3: <laughs> 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 We're just
1: <such> a <laughs> portal. <laughs> okay, okay.
2: Alendra, I think, would just cautiously, with a hand outreached, step through the gate.
5: As you're about to step through, maybe your hands, you know, touching the the energy the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you kind of turn your head and you see the form of Penelier, the, the guardian of the temple, standing back uh, where you first found him at the the doors. And he's no longer wearing the armor that you now carry, but just simple, plain robes. And he looks very much like the young elven man you saw in the vision. And he raises an arm and kind of waves farewell to you.
2: Alindra raises an arm and smiles in return and you're as three. she steps through the gate.
5: Mm-hmm. Right. So you guys all going through after her? And thus ends the tale of Alindra. <laughs>
0: yeah, not going not gonna to ask him where that gate goes? Anything like that? Well, she didn't scream, so it's probably fine. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I had I had a handout first. I figured if it hurt, then I would pull mm-hmm. it back, right? Yeah, who,
5: yep. Who's
1: next? Who's and next is, the door? Andis and hops up. through. Wee. Wee. <laughs> third. Well, Edris is going to run back and grab McCauley, and then he would go through. Yeah.
5: I, imagine you're taking all the gear you've found as well so far. So, yeah. Starney goes th- through right after, tries to help you through uh, Edros, and we'll follow you.
3: Okay. All right, Remy. Guess it's just you and me left here. Um, we're gonna do this yeah. thing. I guess so. All right. Who, N- who's next through? Uh, Nack and Remy hold hands, and we go through the gate. <laughs> <laughs> on, <suit>. oh, dudes.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of thinking that one of those two was gonna kill the other one.
5: <laughs> just be like, oh, he didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thought, the thought probably crossed little... both of our minds. <laughs> okay, so as as you all exit the gate, you see Terhalil Point around you, and you are surrounded by guards. their Their weapons drawn at the gate. A klaxon alarm is is going off with an AI voice in the camp saying "Unauthorized elf gate activity" over and over again. But Doctor Al-nuif comes running forward and says, "Wait, wait! It is the Starfinders. They they have returned." And they, they kind of holster their weapons, stand around you. We got our own ride back.
3: You guys had <laughs> this gate here the whole time?
5: I mean, this is the gate that you came through <laughs> originally, so yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought maybe it was a secret.
3: <laughs> because it's not where we entered, but elf elf stuff, man, come
6: on. This is why I don't like this stuff, Nack. It's very confusing.
5: Uh, Dr. Al Nui says, well, Welcome, friends. You You seem to have made it, and dr solstarni I presume welcome back to you all you must be famished can can we break bread and and, and speak of your adventures do you have any whiskey? Doctor, yes yes I do me <laughs> I'm all in yeah let's go all for it. in
6: doctor i don't have I don't have time for this this our friend here she she died but I want to try and get her you know a magical aid and maybe bring her back or something
5: dr alnuif you know goes and and speaks with some of the guards and says uh i i have you scheduled for the next return trip to kabarat as soon as possible but that still might take some hours to get the the energies aligned for the the travel uh, can you just rest up first we have a, a uh, medical uh, facility here to see to your wounds but for the the body
6: i you you might need to return to kabarat i'll wait i'll wait here for the ride I'll be fine okay
5: so he, he'll lead the rest of you guys to a, a small building that seems to work as the the mess hall for the camp and there's Tons of tables and chairs, and you are greeted by the smell of warm food that permeates the space. He brings over to you just plates of eggs, thick cuts of meats, ucalam fruit, and, and produce brought over um, to to the camp. And says, uh, e- "Eat a party. H- head to the medical facility. But can I see? Did were you able to find any of the horticultural specimens you you clipped along on the the way on your journey? Yes, were we indeed. found a
2: couple. Yeah.
4: Ah, huh. MTL." all the horticultural specimens just dump them on the table like
3: yeah <laughs> Sports.
5: here's your dumb plants <laughs> <laughs> yeah he looks it over he's like oh all oh, these are simply amazing uh, you've done in a few weeks what might have taken me the rest of the year to procure I, I i have resources for the rest of my research grant and and i want to talk to the university about well having some of those funds left over directly transferred to your accounts it's only a few thousand credits, but well, I wish I had more to give for you if fast-tracked the next leg of my research, Ricefold.
3: Well, let's just say if you find your way into anything extra, you just uh, keep us in mind. How abouts?
5: O- okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we, uh, you know. Not, all... not how
5: research grants work, but <laughs> <laughs> universities but will... are just the worst. <laughs> I'll, I'll be able to head back the University of Cabaret much sooner than I expected. As I, I gather my notes up, uh, right. So we we can fast forward to your guys's that that afternoon. You, you are able to get a return trip to Cabaret. Uh, You guys all ready to to leave Ukalam probably forever. Yes. Oh yeah, so ready to never yeah. return. This planet is garbage. You've know, been here like uh, seven episodes, six episodes. It's been it's yeah. been a a short jaunt through the it, jungle. It, R- R- Raymie's enough been there enough to know it's garbage. Right, as you step through the Elf Gate again, uh you're back in the closed-off building that that seems to work as the Port Authority building for this this Elf Gate and you're met by the detective uh, Laszlo Laser. He says, "Oh, welcome back, Starfinders. It looks like mission accomplished. Dr. Solstarni, we have a medical team on its way for you." And uh, Dr. Solstarni says, What? Well, Forget all that. I I have to get back to my office and start deciphering these texts. This is the greatest archaeological find in hundreds of years. The the implications are staggering. I I couldn't have done it without you all. She turns to the five of you and says, won't you come and and see me at the university before you leave? Of course we will. Wouldn't miss it. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. A team of doctors, medical specialists, comes up and start plugging her into machines. And uh, you guys, you guys are all set because they, they put you through this before you left. But she was kind of smuggled into you, Glam, So they're, you know, inoculating her and giving her all kinds of uh, medicines right now. As uh, she begins to argue with these th- doctors taking her away, Detective Laser comes over to you, Edros, to the uh, the body of Rock Hallway. Some of the gate technicians have laid it to rest on a hover cart. And he says, uh, "Was
6: uh is that one of the, the cultists? Why, why'd why you bring her body back? She was basically press ganged into the cult. Not her fault. She helped us out in the end. I don't think we could have gotten as far as we did without her help. I want to try and have her brought back. It was our fault that she died. We, we left her alone and Tahomen, the leader, one of the leaders of the cult, tried to use her as an advantage and he killed her. Huh.
5: Well, I I don't know much about that myself, but... If you're serious about it you want to try and bring her back, head downtown to the Church of the Phoenix. I know a priest there. She goes by the name of Mother Shadowbane. She can help you out if anyone can.
6: Thank you for the tip.
5: I'll head there immediately. Awesome. And we've got a good deal of wrap-up here to do, but I'm going to suggest we split off into a couple of groups. Maybe someone to go with a <laughs> to to this temple. And the rest, they're expecting you back at the University of Cabarrus.
2: I'd like to go to the university. I have mm-hmm. family there.
5: I'll go with Adras. Andis and Nack, do you want to go to the university along with Alindra?
3: I, f- I feel like maybe somebody needs to go with Adras to make sure that he doesn't spend all his credits bringing this girl back to life.
0: Well, I'll, I'll stick, I'll stick by Alindra. Andis does give one kind of final, forlorn look over at a at a Rakawi before
5: they kind of cart her off.
2: Andis and Alindra are pairing up a lot, but I feel like it's. Because or they feel like they
5: have to. Mm. Yeah, you're also kind of the, the smarty pants of the group. Yeah, yeah, oh.
2: that's true.
5: Right, so Alindra and Andis147, let's take you guys back. You've uh, got a vehicle, take you to the University of Cabaret. And as you enter the, the main building, you see the the part-time student, Kimsey at the front desk. And he jumps up straight out of his seat when you arrive and says, Oh, well, you're here, what? Well, well, welcome back, Starfinders. We did not expect you so soon.
2: Thank you. We found Solstarni, so rest assured that she is safe. Oh,
5: that's amazing. <laughs> the Master Mahali is, I guess, unavailable at, at the moment. Um, Would you follow me? I, I can show you to a lobby where you may wait. Very totally. well. Mm-hmm. He walks you down a, a long hallway and opens a door for you. you. guys heading on inside?
0: Sure. Yeah.
5: Entering quickly. I nowhere else to be. <laughs> He closes the door behind you and you are walking in in pitch black darkness and you just see a a very large empty room. Seems to be some machinery off into a corner. What do you guys want to do?
0: Is it greater than 60 feet across? It is. Oh, is it a basketball
5: arena? (laughs) You you ready to shoot some hoops? I know this (laughs) is (laughs) a college. So (laughs) they got to be hiding their their court somewhere. (laughs) Do a quick layup game. (laughs) Right. Yeah. As, As you guys step forward. About a dozen lights switch on, just chung 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 all at once, and you are standing in the middle of a a very large auditorium, a large stage, all of a sudden you hear hundreds of hands clapping in unison, just deafening you, as an audience stands and and welcomes you. Master Mahali steps onto the stage, walks over to you with a, a small microphone in her hands, and says, "Masters and learned scholars of Kabarat University, help us show our admiration and love for the Starfinder Society and these two intrepid fellows." The the clapping continues, and uh, she beckons you to to move forward, kind of like pats you on both on the back.
2: Alendra uh, looks at Andis and um a little sheepish but steps forward
0: <laughs> yeah. and just looks back at Alindra and says how's
5: your charisma score
2: <laughs> <laughs> actually pretty good
0: but... uh, rather, yeah
5: good good <laughs> she continues just uh, a lot of praise a lot of pretty deep speech exalting your your bravery says you know they went into the jungles of yukalam and i am happy to report that dr Sostarni has been found and returned safely and is currently seeking medical attention at the clinic right down the street she will be back to work on first day everyone and it starts clapping too <laughs> yeah the, the clapping dies down as soon as you start
0: <laughs>
5: it, it, it just keeps going he's very happy they're very happy uh, starfinders for executing this perilous journey and, and bringing back all these amazing discoveries I on the behalf of the University of Caparot, would like to offer you a scholarship to study here or a research grant to help you further your own studies out in the field. He brings out that one of those, like, big old checks.
6: <laughs> like, cartoon-sized
0: checks? Yeah, and a, uh, <laughs> It's just, like, made out to science.
7: <laughs> um...
2: <laughs> yeah, Alindra definitely takes the check, and Master Mulhali, I, I we're so honored. Thank you for investing in in our uh, adventures and believing in us, and and entrusting us with with the fate of your beloved Professor Solstarni And I I'm just speechless. This is this is so meaningful, and and I will use this to further my studies and my comrade's studies.
5: Thank you. How much is the check for? You're not there now! (laughs) Please help me once again honor these heroes by showing them a round of applause. The entire auditorium begins clapping again and then all the house lights go up and you see tables and chairs. About a hundred or so academics standing around them. There's a massive smorgasbord of delicacies spread out along the side. And you hear bottles being uncorked, and the room begins, you know, speaking, and it seems like a, a large soirée begins all at once. Rebecca, and yeah, Rebecca, we're what? at the nerd Oscars.
2: I know it's awesome. Isn't <laughs> this, this is the best. best. Oh I'm so gosh.
5: glad. I'm so glad we went to this sweet party. I know not to some boring doing. church. <laughs> it's gonna be so boring. <laughs> <laughs> the other place you guys pick, you picked the right side quest. Go ahead, and both of you give me a perception check. That's a 26 for me. 16. Alindra, you see a couple of familiar faces in the crowd. Uh, Wayloss, your Starfinder representative, fellow at the university, just kind of stuffing his face over at the, the food table. At a table all by himself, you see Elbians 21-2 psychically reading over some some notes. They've got a, a table to themselves, just kind of drowned in, in papers. And Andis, you're the one that sees... Two Lashunton figures step through the auditorium's doors in the back. They look very similar to our own Alindra Vallis. Am I am I still standing near Alindra? Yeah, sure.
0: I stand. I stand. Uh, to I stand on the other side of Alindra, like facing like so that she. If I'm talking to her, she's facing away from the two people, <laughs> and then I try to like engage her in a conversation. Wait, wait,
2: wait. Why? Why? Why are you hiding these people from <laughs> I'm me?
0: Hide these people from her. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's a twelve on a buff check. <laughs> sense motive is plus two harder because I have a flat effect. <laughs> what, what do you hey. say? I'm saying, uh, uh, Alindra, show me this big check real quick. Like, <laughs> let's look at this big check. Let's let's see if we can get somebody to take a photo of us with this big big check. How much is the check for, Alindra?
5: <laughs> I can, can tell I do you a
2: that sense motive.
5: Oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> 22. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> and this is acting weird even for them. <laughs> They're real, real weird.
3: How much is the check for? <laughs> uh,
5: Stop it. So, Alindra, as, as you notice this, a, a couple of people sneak up behind you. One of them taps them on your shoulder. It's your parents. Mom and dad. Phallus.
2: Alindra's super giddy. She's really excited to see her parents.
5: Uh, yeah, I'm imagining you guys embrace, yes. and and mom yeah. is is like, you know, we we're so sorry we we missed w- you when you arrived, daughter.
2: I'm sorry, I missed you too. I I'm so happy to see you, and I have so many questions for you.
5: Oh well, we have questions for you. It it seems we were informed that you were on this dangerous expedition into the Eucalam. You could have gotten yourself hurt.
2: No, it, I. I'm, I'm fine, I, I did I did fine, you'd be really proud of me.
5: Oh, uh, always our little adventurer. <laughs> Come and sit and tell us all about the trip.
2: I'd like to, but I, I feel like I need to start with explaining to you that I have these very strange powers that came, I don't know where from, and I have questions about my past and why was this whole elven expedition so familiar to me? Do you have any idea? Have I been to Yookaland before?
5: They they look at one another and kind of shake their head. No, it's like they, they explain that they had seen o- over the last few weeks some of the footage from the the drift rock. So they were they they had some questions themselves about you being able to manifest a sword made of energy and and cutting down zombies and stuff. Fair. <laughs> they they answer pretty honestly. It's like we none of us have been to yukalam
2: So strange because I I have this. Weird tattoo that I I don't remember where it came from, and it's become bigger and bigger. And I I always thought that it was something that I made up as a child, and now I'm seeing images that match this tattoo in Eucalyptus. Why would that be?
5: Yeah, they they look a little confused uh, as well. Y- your dad, you know, kind of stammers out. And it's like, well, I mean, uh, you you were born a- a- off planet uh, when we were on. One of our adventures ourselves when we were younger, but i I, I just don't know
2: <laughs> what kind of adventure was it?
5: Um it, I mean it was very similar to kind of the the trip that you took with Master Paslar. It was you know an an outer planet, a an uncharted planet in the like outer rim of, of worlds. they were they were studying ancient civilizations, you know the the planet's ecosystem, all kinds of things. It was a, a fairly large contingent of of scientists from, from Casherville that went.
2: So you know nothing of what my possible connection to the elves might be?
5: Yeah, they they seem to be pretty flummoxed by that, yeah.
2: Alendra's very disappointed.
5: Do you show it to your parents?
2: Yeah, I think that they would detect that. I think that they would realize that she's upset. Besides they're Lushington, don't they like read minds and stuff.
5: <laughs> they, they do have some, some light psychic ability, but they, they try and cheer you up by, by, by telling you of mm-hmm. of their time uh, since you've last seen them. And we'll, we'll fade out the scene there, because they are trying to cheer you up, trying to, to talk to you about your adventures and, and what, what has happened. Try and make sense of it all.
2: Yeah, and Alenja puts on a happy face for the sake of her parents.
5: Good, good. Uh, let, let's switch gears and, and get back to downtown, where... Nak, Raimi, and Edros have transported the, the remains of, of Rokawi to this huge alabaster shelled, It looks like a, one of the, the ancient buildings of, of Kavarat, this, this massive cathedral that looks like it is dedicated to the goddess Sarenray. Oh, good. Does anybody have mysticism? Uh, I do. Roll that for me, Raimi. All right. Uh, 16 plus 10, 26. Right. So you, you know all about Saren Ray, obviously. You know that she was an, an angel, an angelic figure on ancient Galerion that rose to godhood in destroying evil beings and representing the, the sun of the Pact Worlds and is often referred to as the Dawnflower as well. Okay, I relay that message to Edras.
6: Fascinating. <laughs> uh, I'm not that great when it comes to dealing with the gods. I hope you guys will help me out in not making myself look stupid and hurting our chances of getting Rakawi some help.
5: That's what we're here for, buddy. As you enter the, the mystic place, you're hit with the smell of burning candles and incense. It is as thick as a fog inside the building and it just drenches you as you enter. And towards the back, you find a solitary woman kneeling on a bench in the center of a a stone floor. The slight figure stands beneath a massive, stylized, golden statue of an angel with its wings made of what looks like fire, hanging in, in the middle of the air, magically above her. She wears a very simple tunic and steel, scalloped belt, and her hood is drawn up, but as you approach she lets it down, and you see an, an elven woman, perhaps a hundred years old, not ancient, but still looking very keen. A shrewd face of immaculate beauty, save for the, the faintest scars from some ancient injury across her cheeks. Her hair is black and blue, and her eyes are an iridescent neon violet. And as you approach, she says, You've come here seeking absolution, redemption, and salvation, have you not, Adrasferonas?"
6: Oh, why do you elves always know everything? <laughs> yes.
5: I watch infosphere feeds. I am not an ascetic.
6: Oh, that's a better answer than I was anticipating.
5: <laughs> we we have I, Wi-Fi here. It's not it's not uh, the Dark Ages.
6: Sorry, I just I'm not very good with mystic things. I thought maybe you had some magical viewfinder.
5: No, that's that's crazy. <laughs> that's that's <I> crazy. <laughs>
3: Forgive the guy, he did just fight two magical statues,
5: so... Yeah, and and she'll, you know, acknowledge you both, but she's kind of locked on Edros, and and she points at the the body and says, Yes.
6: Who is she? Her her name is Rakawi. She has become a recent comrade of ours.
5: She kind of asks if she can, you know, inspect the body, like, approach it.
1: And Edros kind of gestures in a, yes, please do.
5: Uh, she, She looks it over and instinctively... Her hand goes to Rockaway's neck and exposes the tattoo there and she just kind of shakes her head and uh, she introduces herself. She says, I am Eliar Shadowbane, High Priestess of the Dawnflower. Welcome to the Church of the Phoenix, Starfinders.
6: I'm Andrus Veronus. This is Raimi and this is uh, whatever he's going by now. And uh, Smooth. I, I, uh, I brought her here in hopes that you could help her. I know, I know she's got that tattoo, but she was essentially brainwashed into this cult against her will. Tahomen wields an unnatural ability to influence people, but he's gone now. And she defected from them and even helped us in getting rid of them and uh, saving the temple that we were at. I think she deserves a second chance and we failed in giving her that second chance and I want to make it right.
5: She uh, goes back up to her place under the the statue of Saren Ray and says I, I did not mean to ask you
6: just who she was but who was she to you I mean I, I mean I don't know she just it was weird something I've not really been through I I feel connected to her in a strange way either because we've both have been through similar things in our past or because maybe we both were once you know strayed from a a the path and are trying to figure out how to do things in a better way. I feel like the world had wronged her, and she is she'd been pushing back to try and make a difference in a positive way. And then it was Tahuman; he robbed it from her. Well, maybe I'm worried that I'm going down that same path. I feel like if I can solve this for her, maybe I can solve it for myself as well. And and you wish her
5: return to this plane of existence. These services are very pricey. Perhaps too expensive for a, a Starfinder, but there's another way.
6: Anything! I'll, anything!
5: I don't know whether you wish to admit it or not, but I believe fate has brought you here to my doorstep. Our faith requires us not just to believe in things like random chance, but there is a divine hand that moves the story of your life, Edros. Tell me about this. What what does it mean? She kind of lightly brushes her hand against the insignia on your chest.
6: Oh. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, back back when I flew under a, a pirate's banner, this was the Sunbreaker pirate's emblem. It was the crew that I ran, and Captain.
5: That is quite interesting. A holy knight of our faith many years ago wore this exact same symbol. He had many names, but was most often called the Sunstrider. I know this story probably did not make its way across the Gulf of Space to the Vescarium, so it's very curious that you chose it as your vigil.
6: But I I didn't know that there was something else out there that was
5: like this. I just thought I had made it up. So uh, I have a proposal to make then. I will bring this one back to this world, should she be willing to make that journey back to the lands of the living. But I require from you something first
1: in advance.
6: Name it!
5: I would like to baptize you in our faith, that of the Dawnbringer,
1: her most holy name. Edris would kind of he thinks. He's, he pauses. I mean, he's never been a, a devout guy. I mean, most pirates pay some kind of service to Besmara, um, but, you know, mm-hmm. he's not like a devout follower of Besmara. Um, but he kind of steals himself and he says, Do it. I'm ready. If, uh, if you do this, it is no small
5: thing. It is an equivalent exchange of life. You devote yours to the goddess. And she will instill in this girl that life which she has been robbed. Entering into this agreement, you must do so cautiously, for this is a matter
6: of the greatest import. If if making that promise and that devotion at least gives Rakawi the choice of staying at rest or coming back, I will do and swear and uphold anything.
5: Right. So the the priestess Shadowbane looks at Nack and Raimi and says... You are invited to watch in this ceremony. You may bring the remains into the back, but I—I I must tell you, you must stand far away. For this is this is not light magic that we dabble in. Can I, can I sense motive on this? Yeah. What? When did we roll here? Twenty-one
3: and uh just just
5: uh oh yeah you got you got that expertise on it now right
3: uh mm. I've had the expertise on
5: oh since move is like the base one that's right that's right yeah. all right so 25 in total yeah she definitely seems to be a pretty mysterious figure but he, yeah it, it seems like she's definitely holding something back from a
3: um, is there any, like, signal I can give to Adras to let him know that <laughs> without
5: uh, outright saying it? Yeah, she she disappears into this this back chamber uh, before you all and, and just, you know, invites you to come back when you're ready.
3: Hey, uh, E.V., uh, you sure about this? This is, uh, something, something off about this.
6: Mm. I, to be honest... I'm not 100% sure. I I don't really know what it means to uphold the, the you know, faith of a god.
3: Maybe I heard wrong, but it sounds like you're going to have to kill somebody to be able to bring Ralkawi back to life. Maybe I heard that wrong. I don't know.
6: I think you heard it very wrong. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> did. <laughs> well... All right. No. Seren is a neutral good goddess. I don't think she would have me killing people. So, but if she does, sorry, it's I'm just going to be knack. Sorry, I'm just.
1: I'm <laughs> she's so, very concerned about him I'm, so. I mean, She's.
3: I'm so bored by all of this. I, I I
6: didn't pay attention.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Literally an angel of light.
6: <laughs> uh, that's fine. I mean, he's. I thank you for for the warning. I will. Yeah. I will be careful. Uh, I don't know what this may entail, but I do believe that if I can, if this one thing could bring her back and give her another chance, it should be something I do.
5: Right. So going back into this
6: small chamber in the, in the back
5: of the church, there's a wide window kind of illuminating the room here that has a, a frieze, you know, some, some colored glass of the, the goddess. And you see a, a small recessed pool, maybe three or four feet deep with, with some stairs leading into it and there's a tall stone slate table and, and she directs you to place Rokali's remains there and then kind of points nakin and, and Raimi towards the, the far side of the room, very far away from, from the table and to you, Edros, she says, Undress. Submerge yourself within the oil. She invites you into the pool.
3: N- Nack uh, kind of turns away.
5: Ramy doesn't. I mean, you don't have to get uh, naked, naked, but take your armor off and stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay yeah I'll uh, I'll take off all my all the armor I will bring in the the or at least wear the locket the hologram locket that mm-hmm. uh, uh Solstarnia gave me.
5: The pools are a very pungent mix of aromatic oils um, and what feel like burning chemicals and as soon as you start dipping your claws in you feel this concoction both cold and burning hot on your scales breathing in the air around this Cool is hard at first, but the sensation dies down. It definitely feels, yeah, like some very uh, either astringent chemicals or some kind of maybe magical liquid. Mother Shadowbane lights about a hundred candles around the the stone tablet. Illuminating Rick remains, taking her time going around in what seems like, you know, a ritualistic manner. And she says, Edros, I require Your dedication. I will repeat the litany of the Dawnflower as revealed to us by her disciples. You will agree and confirm your allegiance by saying, By her light, I swear. Say it now. By her light, I swear. By so affirming, you enter a sacred trust with the divine. Do you understand? I understand. The priestess then moves to the side and picks up a small bucket and aspergillum and begins to chant. Uh, something, an elven And just starts coating you with liquid Just like tossing it onto your your skin And it's uh, another very thick oil And she begins to Recite the, the litany She says I promise to combat the denizens of darkness And wield the light of the dawn flower for good
6: By her light I swear I shall be a shield for
5: allies For their strength is my strength Their weakness my own weakness
6: By her light I swear
5: She circles behind you The liquid still coming, coating your scales, and and it feels like burning ice, and says, I shall protect the unfortunate, the ignorant, the downtrodden, and reveal to them the light.
6: By her light, I swear.
5: Kind of a, a break in her voice as she gets to this next one, as she says, I am a font of sin. I have advanced wicked causes. I have seeded the darkness in my own heart, but through the burning flame I am cleansed.
6: By her light, I swear.
5: She steps back in front of you uh, you know, from behind this table and she steps into the pool and she's no longer holding on to these religious items, but just a, a simple candle from the the table. and she also has shed her tunic and is wearing just simple linen coverings. and she's right there in front of you and uh, says, "Adros, repeat after me, I am wicked. I am wicked. I am debased.
6: I am debased."
5: I am unworthy of the light. I
6: am unworthy of the light.
5: I am irredeemable.
6: I am irredeemable.
5: I fear not the flame.
6: I fear not the flame.
5: She holds the candle to your skin, and all the oils catch light, and you are covered in fire. Uh, Please make me a very important DC 15 willpower save. Okay, 16. Right, Uh, this is a, a fear effect, but the flames cover you completely the the pool lights up but something inside you you know stays your hand calms you as you're engulfed in the this fire you're able to open your eyes and you, you see this happening from the outside you see yourself and the the priestess in this pool your head is wreathed in flames what seem both natural and magical and behind your head is a corona that looks like a blazing crown and you hear from far away like it, it seems like in another world, Mother Shadowbane, you know, kind of steps back and whispers, it cannot be true. But all of a sudden you're right back in it and she is shouting at you now. As you return to this room, Nack and Raimi, the the entire pool catches on fire. The altar catches on fire. Parts of the the door and the windows, You kind of have to like step out of the way as it begins coating the entirety of the room, this very small magical flame. And she's screaming at you, you know, asking you to repeat it still. I fear not the flame, for I am the flame.
6: I fear not the flame, for I am the flame.
5: I fear not the darkness, for I consume it.
6: I fear not the darkness, for I consume it.
5: I am the light. I am the Phoenix of Serenray. Say it, Adros!
6: I am the light! I am the phoenix of Sarenrae!
5: The flames simmer and burn out, except in a, a few places where they cling to your body. The priestess is breathing deeply, like she's been sprinting, just you know, swallowing deep lungfuls of air, and a, a light fills the room, as if thousands of stars twinkled into existence and then all of a sudden died out. And behind you on the table, there's a gasp. Rakawi sits straight up and begins to convulse, her hands going to the, the wounds that were there just a moment ago. And she says, I I, I live. What,
6: what happened? Where are we? Rakawi, calm down. You're safe. We're in, we're in the temple of Serenre.
5: She she collapses off the table, and you see the, the flame still looking at her breast and at the, the nape of her neck. The tattoo of the, the devourer was it has disappeared. And she just kind of falls down and says, Hadhras! And she trips, trying to to get into the pool, but stumbles in. She slowly, somewhat painfully lowers herself to you and throws her arms around your neck. The light dims here as we exit. The room grows quiet and the the scene ends. So how was your party?
0: (laughs) Ours was pretty dope. We got money and they had shrimp cocktails. It was great.
5: (laughs) Uh, Uh. I... I have an epilogue for you guys for, for book two, if you're ready to hear it. Yeah, yeah.
6: let
5: man. That night, all of you are invited to dinner at the Vallis' home in the north of the city. They have a, a small catering service that comes out and prepares a castravellin delight of, of breaded fruits and spiced meats. This home, uh, some of you might have seen it, it's, it's a wonderful modern wooden building. The main vaulted chamber has been set up with... A long table with many, many chairs and and settings for it. Dr. solstarni Master Mahali, and even Aylbion's twenty one two all arrive at the same time. They seem to be deep in conversation about the discoveries you made at the Elven Temple. Alindra, your siblings both arrive, each bearing fine wines of, of spirits and other delicacies to enjoy after the meal. And this is the first time that your family is all in the same place together uh, in many years. You know, you can all make your way to the back and, and, and share stories. The last to arrive is Rokawi, who is escorted by Detective Laszlo. And you, you meet her at the door at Ross. He desyncs a pair of handcuffs around her wrists and allows her to enter, kind of tipping his, his hat in your direction. She explains that... There aren't going to be any charges brought against her in the abduction of Dr. Solstarney as the good doctor has agreed to provide employment for the former cultist as part of the probation sentencing and for cooperating with the authorities. The party lasts for hours and hours into the night as new friends and old are welcomed into this very familiar at- atmosphere and everyone is embraced in, in love and fellowship. Stories are told, a lot of spirits are drank, After a while, everyone is invited outside for cocktails where a techno magic fireworks display is set off over the foothills of the mountains. And in a neon green and electric purple letters, a message is displayed across the Castravellian night sky that reads very simply to be continued. (laughs) That's very nice.
2: I wonder if if it's significant that it's green and purple because those are the colors of Alindra's eyes.
5: Just uh, oh, I, well, it's also kind of our podcast covers. So oh, that's <laughs> I was going for as well. Uh, yeah, hey, everybody. Yeah. So probably not.
7: <laughs> <laughs> not
4: everything's about you, Rebecca.
7: I mean, okay. Uh,
5: that that's it. That's the end of the episode. Just uh, just a quick wrap up to the <laughs> massive adventure and destruction that was Book Two. Jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, are yeah. you guys okay? Yeah, that was <laughs> a whole book.
3: How much was the giant check?
5: <laughs> That's oh. what
3: I want to know. <laughs> the the
5: research grant is another 1000 credits for everybody. oh, so sweet. Oh, nice. nice. Mm. Yeah. You guys got some money. Next week we'll we'll figure out what's happening with the Drift Rider and we will continue on in the book 3.
1: Woohoo! Woo-hoo,
5: oh yay. my gosh,
1: it's getting crazy, guys! We're <laughs> done with
5: Temple of the Twelve, and we're going into Splintered Worlds, and I cannot
1: wait. I'm going to kind of miss the
2: jungle. I mean, the jungle was really fun. Yeah, I'm it was interested your- to see where we go next.
5: <laughs> it was your home turf.
2: I know. I
5: know. Well, like I said, one of my favorite things about this this uh, Avenger path so far, from what I've seen, is all the books. They feel very different. They all have their you know different themes, different characters, and uh, you're not going to. <laughs> You're not going to be able to guess what happens next. But stay tuned because, yeah, we've only got another four books before the entire Avenger path is done.
1: Nice. I am freaking out already. I just want, let's just, let's just do the rest of the, let's just do all of book three tonight. Why don't we just crank that up?
2: I'm
1: so excited.
5: All righty. Well, let's wrap it up there. Guys, thank you so much for playing uh, two books with me, playing playing with me tonight. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank, <laughs> you, <laughs> thank
3: you,
5: Patrick. Thank you. Patrick. Every, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Well, why don't you say goodnight, everybody? Good night, everybody.
0: See you next week. <laughs>
4: CritBit commencing in 3, 2, 1. CritBit initiated. Welcome, everybody, to this week's CritBit. I am Miles. I play Rami Quindar, and along with Jabert, who plays Andis147, and our Game Master, Patrick. Today, Hi. we are joined by John Compton, the organized play lead developer at Paizo, and the author of Book 2 of the Dead Son's Adventure Path, Temple of the Twelve, which we just finished. Welcome to the show, John. It's great to be here
5: with you guys. It's awesome to have you. Yeah, so uh, we, we've we had Thurston Hillman, Thirsty, on the, the show before, and we've talked about Organized Play, Paizo's Pathfinder and Starfinder Society. Can you tell us, John, just a little bit more about what that is, if if this is the first time people uh, listening have, have heard those terms before?
7: Sure thing. Uh, so the, the important thing to get across first is... Organized play. A lot of people play in a home group where they read the rule book, they decide mm-hmm. what rules they want to follow. They may make up their own house rules and tell their own evolving story. Um, the way That's the organized us. play works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the way think. the organized play works is that you're always playing these uh, pre-written scenarios and you're doing it within a codified set of house rules um, that we have for organized play. And because you know that everybody's playing by the same rules and playing the same adventures uh, and getting credit that gradually levels up their characters, it means something when you go to somebody else's table and you say, I have a level nine Solarian. Because if you mm. do that between home games, like you move to a new area and you join a new group, and you're like, well, I have a ninth level Solarian. They say, well, that so what? That was in your <laughs> home group. Also, why do you have all this gear that you shouldn't have? In organized play, you can go anywhere in the world, all sorts of different conventions and game stores and the like, and sit down with a pickup group and be gaming and rolling dice within five minutes because you have that shared understanding. Mm-hmm. So, Starfinder Society is the organized play version of the Starfinder RPG, right? And
5: there have been many, many seasons of the Pathfinder version of Society play or you know scenarios since day one. Since Starfinder came out, there have been what one or, or two uh, new scenarios, new games out there for uh, Starfinder Society.
7: Yeah, we had uh, we. Ha- We started doing what we knew that we could do based on the resources that we had. We hired on Thurston Hillman specifically so that he could spin up uh, Starfinder Society. Mm -hmm. Um, But that meant that we launched with five different adventures at Gen Con, a series of quests, um, a pre-generated character special, and three scenarios, which was a lot to get out the door. But after that, we've only done one scenario per month. But Uh even at Gen Con, where we had those five adventures the demand was already high enough that by the end of the weekend, we were already being asked, why don't we have even more? So, uh,
5: <laughs> I mean that, I mean, that's over a hundred pages of adventure at, at launch, right? <laughs> For, yeah, five. that,
7: that is absolutely right. Is, that's uh, so
5: much. That's like two adventure path books, maybe, maybe even more. <laughs>
7: uh, yeah, about, about two adventure, AP volumes. Um, that's and crazy. so, but we, we've we been looking at uh, spinning up even more. So mm-hmm. starting in March, we're going to be going up to two scenarios per month, which is welcome for both uh, the player base, but also for us in a way, because it allows us to tell that many more stories. Awesome. Awesome. We, we especially have been enjoying some. Having two scenarios per month also means that we can do more than just the meta plot that we've set up. Because we get to we get to do what a lot of sci-fi gets to do, which is play with uh, modern-day tropes that a fantasy setting just couldn't really pull off well. So, uh, right, we we uh, we're releasing this month a scenario called Live Exploration Extreme, which is all <laughs> about being on a reality TV show. Um, <laughs> uh, it's so good! We're really excited about uh, the two that we're releasing at PaizoCon in May because not only do we have uh, our Strawberry Machine Cake scenario, which is our Hollow Pop. Uh, band that has really caught on with all of our players. Yeah. Uh, so a scenario where you're basically at a concert for the biggest band in all the Pact Worlds, at least for this year. And then we also have one that started off as kind of a joke behind the scenes, but has really turned into a big thing called Save the Renkrodas. Uh, <laughs> in fact, since you guys just finished book two, you're probably familiar with Renkrodas. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so there is a feathered Rencrota variety that is on the endangered species list of castrovel. And so there is a gala that you're going to, which is kind of the save the whales equivalent, but for the feathered (laughs) run quota. And naturally, of course, shenanigans are going to happen. So we're launching both of these really off the wall, wacky scenarios at Paisocon where (laughs) we get our really dedicated fans and just have a wild time.
5: Well, it's, it's so great because, you know, your author's, it seems like they can just make up a new episode of a very exciting TV show that might have a different genre or theme every two weeks, <laughs> you know?
7: Exactly. And, and that's that's another fun part of the job is just getting to work with all these authors who have so many different ideas. And mm-hmm. like, several of these ideas that have really, really caught on have been just through the author's Reading the outline and saying, OK, I want to fill in the blank with this thing, like Eleanor Fer- uh Eleanor Ferran, who recently started at Paizo, was the one who invented strawberry machine cake in the first place. And we just saw the name. And we we're like, yes, that you exactly have the idea here. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I, think a, I think it adds a breath of fresh air uh, to playing these games because, well, I, I mean, you know, anyone who, who knows me knows I love the the deep, dark horror stuff. But it's kind of fun to to come to a scenario, and it's just this crazy off the wall thing because there are so few. I feel like you know tabletop games like uh, in in the realm of like Starfinder and Pathfinder that do something that's that lighthearted and fun. Mm.
7: Yeah, and and just being able to like comparing it to an adventure path, which is great for the depth and the long-term storytelling. I really like scenarios just because you're going to have a taste of some particular subgenre within Starfinder or Pathfinder, but you know that you're only there for five hours, so if you really like it, fantastic. If you don't, I mean, yeah, enjoy it for what it is, but know that you can try something new the next week as well. There's less fear of commitment to saying, oh, we're we're in it for the long haul.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean. To be fair, my experience with uh, out of RPGs has been that uh, there's not a whole lot of commitment
7: <laughs> for a lot of groups. It <laughs> depends on the group. Yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah, but that I, I recommend if people aren't like sure if they want to dive into Starfinder, you know, if this is especially their first tabletop RPG uh, to pick up one of the society scenarios. Because like you said, it's five hours. You can usually do it in a day if, you know, your, your game group wants to to grind through it or break it up into a couple of sessions. And right now you have a great pick of <laughs> a lot of different weird adventures. If you want the horror one, there's um what? Cries uh-huh. from the Drift. Yep was uh, a is kind of horror based and if you want in a a, a few days to, to to be on a reality tv show in a sci-fi future then you're going to have that option as well and yeah kind of tailor it to your game group or to your friends you know what they what they want to do i am Planning this weekend to run my IRL table of friends through some of the uh, first quests, the uh, the Into the Unknown quests. And they're, div- they're divided up in like five chunks and you can do like, you know, as many as you can get through. And it- it's set up really well for first time game masters and players of Starfinder. Get through a lot of the rules, which is also pretty, pretty good. Get some starship combat, some gun battles. Got any, of, got any chase scenes? Got any chase scenes in there?
7: <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody has been playing Pathfinder Society then.
5: <laughs> I, I think the, I think, one, yeah, one of the very early does do vehicle rules, and yeah, it basically just gives you a little bit of everything, you know, role play, what, whatever you need to yeah. uh, to get started. So well, I'll be, I'll be looking forward to that. John, have you have you played have you played uh, through the, through
0: those yet, or did you did you help write those?
7: Uh, so the, my part in those is that uh, Thirson, Thirsty has been the one who has been assigning them and who has sure. been doing the primary development. Uh, I've been there to review all the outlines and review the text when it comes in, as well as uh, do a lot of the back backend uh, tinkering. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm familiar with all of our scenarios and Mm. I've had a chance to play a couple of them. I've had a chance to uh, run a couple of them as well.
0: You got any, you got any suggestions for me as I go in on Sunday?
7: (laughs) Uh, if you're going in for the quests, um, I mean, really just whenever you're preparing any of these, uh, scenarios, it's do some background reading so you can give the players as much context as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is more true for Pathfinder society these days because we have so much setting material, but, um, we also, in our scenarios, have been trying to just add as much of that context as possible so people can do like these political thrillers, these investigations, uh, even a dungeon crawl that has interesting discoveries and say by the end, oh, I see why that's important or I see why that changes our impression of, of what we once knew.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like
7: A uh, couple of the ones that I've run most recently have had like half an hour of knowledge checks and storytelling at the beginning before we even really get the action going, but it means that when we do there's so much more opportunity for people to come to these conclusions on their own and not rely on a on a die roll to tell them why should we care right mm-hmm. right yeah. the
0: the context kind of comes a little more organically once they have that background information kind of established exactly yeah that's really it,
5: neat one one of the great things about starfinder i feel like is you know unless you're out in the <laughs> the sticks out of communication range your characters can look up basic information on the infosphere. You know they can in universe find out about the world uh, fairly easily. a computers check of like DC ten, and I mean it, it works for a lot of players, I imagine, because which is great. So my have- computer, my computer is like plus nine already. <laughs> well, this generation is you know there's a computer in their pocket. that the new players that are coming to tabletop role playing games. If they have a question about, you know, the setting or the fiction, probably going to put it into a search engine and, you know, be like, what's this all about? You know, they they might not know about a god or a planet uh, in in the setting and want to want to find out about it. Just do a control F on the the core rulebook to do a quick search. So, yeah, I'm going to be taking through some friends. uh, First time through Starfinder Society. Do you have any tips on characters some first-time characters they can make. I know there, there are limitations to the, the races that you can start with. Um, mm-hmm.
7: Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the first things to keep in mind is that they're going to be starfinders. So mm-hmm. that means that they are explorers. They're interested in discovering new things. They might be academics. They could be soldiers. They might be mercenaries. But ultimately, they have that same uniting sense of curiosity. And one of the things that we've run into for Pathfinder Society character creation, or at least it's sort of a trope, is the idea that you are joining this archaeological society and you bring your seven intelligence barbarian to it. <laughs> barely read. It's sort of a, but but why are you here? Another thing to recommend for them is to... Uh, look through a, uh, I think it's like Appendix 2 in the guide, which Mm -hmm. is where we have our faction information. There are five different factions in the Starfinder Society that represent little sub-interests and uh, secondary groups that all are still part of the society, but they want to kind of pull it in different ways. They're keeping an eye out for certain things. So if you want to play more of a bounty hunter, mercenary style, I want to be famous, I want the money, I'm, I'm in it for get rich uh, in some way or another, you should join the Acquisitives uh, because mm-hmm. it provides a support network for that exact style of play. Uh, if you want to play the deep hacker, you might go with the data files. If you want to play the person who is the grizzled soldier who shoots bugs, the exo guardians is for you. And you can always, you know, twist these ideas some. If you want to play the grizzled uh, soldier who is... Still interested in uncovering secret data, you might still fit into the data files. It'll just be sort of a, a weird, possibly inspiring pick. But <laughs> those factions can give you a really good sense of what is the Starfinder Society about, what's the universe about, and give you something to build off from there. Because that's that's one of the things that I find that players struggle with sometimes is not having enough context in which to create a character. It's like, I want to create a soldier. Okay, where are you from? I don't know. <laughs> uh, wh- what's your goal? I. I don't know enough to have goals. I'm soldiering things. <laughs> I want to be yeah. the best soldier. Exactly. Hunt. So g- give them the things to inspire them, but like don't overwhelm them by making them read the entire setting or anything like that.
5: Yeah. Yeah. We, we've, my uh, IRL table has been playing Pathfinder for years and years and are excited to dip their toes in. Can, can we talk a little bit about boons? Now you mentioned the different factions and they provide like different resources in in the form of boons am i am i getting that correct
7: yeah that's a- absolutely right so while mm-hmm. you're playing scenarios you're going to get a thing called a chronicle sheet which is basically a record that you played that adventure mm-hmm. and it shows how many credits you earned what items you found things like that but they also come with things called boons which are everything that's not money or goods so it might be this guy remembers you and totally owes you a favor or oh, wow, remember how you found that super secret starship weapon? You can put it onto your starship now. And in Pathfinder Society, we had we just allowed you to accumulate as many of these as you wanted and use them all at the same time. It's kind of led to a little bit of power creep in that regard. But it's also <laughs> meant that at the table, it might be, does anybody have a boon for this? And everybody then flips through 30 pages of reference material to try to <laughs> find the right chronicle sheet. <laughs> Uh, So we wanted to simplify that a little bit for Starfinder Society. What we did is we created six categories of boons, each which uh, covers some broad sense of what a boon might represent. Like a social boon is, Mm -hmm. you know, this, this group thinks you're pretty cool. An ally boon might be, this person is willing to follow you around. A starship one is an upgrade for your starship. A promo boon is you have some sort of cool Paizo swag with you. So it gives you a little benefit. Um, A personal boon is kind of a special case, which I'll get into in a sec. And then I'm missing one of them. Oh, faction boon, which is what what faction are you representing today? That's another one of those changes. You don't have to choose a single faction. You can dabble all you want. Um, But each of these factions has different things that they will allow you to buy as boons. Mm -hmm. Uh, the more that you serve them so the acquisitives for example is really fun because you can choose to uh, get a sponsorship and basically slather yourself like a nascar driver in all sorts of different corporate logos and the like (laughs) um, all in order to open up extra boon slots Um, the data files allow you to um, hack into things more effectively or to get uh, certain secret information that might not be available to other players Uh, things like that um, but that personal boon is particularly special because that is the one that allows you to, um, slot in a special race boon. One of the ways that we incentivize our game masters, uh, especially at conventions, but also in just running things in game stores is that All right. we allow you to play, uh, races that are beyond the core seven. So if you are looking at, oh, let's say you're looking at one of those contemplatives, the brain people that you ran into in book two, Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, We auctioned off one of those boons at Gen Con. Uh, Maybe you'd like to play a dwarf, but that's not one of the core seven races in Starfinder. Well, we have boons for that. So that takes up your personal slot. Um, And then you can get these in all sorts of different ways. A lot of them are through GMing at different venues. You can also do them by playing a whole bunch, which is another change from Pathfinder Society. So a bunch of these are just, have you played six uh, Starfinder Society scenarios? Have you played 12 of them? Cool. Have one of these guys. Now you can play a Barathu, one of those jellyfish alien squidgy oh, creatures. Uh, and you have, but the thing mega, that we've mega also explored well, is this right? idea of a media promotional boon. The idea that um, anytime one of the organized play team members goes on to a podcast, for example, mm. uh, we can bring the opportunity to uh, basically raffle off an extra boon and. This is the only way to get one of the most desirable ones out there, which is the Skittermander. Pretty genius of you guys.
5: <laughs> <laughs> like You, you knew what you're doing, picking that race for this boon. Yeah, so we, we did this when we had Thirstie as well. And listeners that are playing Starfinder Society have another chance by emailing the, the organized play team. Is that correct?
7: Yes, yeah, so that's going to be organized play at Paizo.com. And the idea is that we will uh, we can come up with a keyword in just a sec. That'll be the subject line. And then you'll put in uh, basically like skittermander promotion boon in the body of the email. And then also, please, when you email that address, be sure to include your organized play number as well. It's probably a six-digit mm. number that you've picked up uh, that you put on all your Chronicle sheets.
5: Awesome. Okay. That that's good good to know. I'm not sure. We told people to do it the last time. Uh, well, why don't we uh, I'm not sure if it's been picked yet uh in anticipation for Pizocon, can we make the the password Rencroda?
7: Yeah, we absolutely can. So the awesome. password's going to be Rencroda and the way to spell that is R E N K R O D A. Oh yeah.
5: And if you've been listening to the show, you know that uh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're no joke, but they need to be saved. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> At least the feathered kind, maybe, maybe the, the regular kind we can do away with. But awesome. So th- that's all they need to do is email that in, get their their org play number and in the the subject line, right? Ren Crota.
7: Yeah, go ahead and uh, include Ren Crota in the subject line. Uh, put Skiddermander Mander uh, promotion in the body of the email and then awesome. Your uh, organized play number.
5: Great. And when we when we talked about this in, in December, there were only about 10 or 12 Skittermanders out in the wild. H- have more been released? Have, are there more players
7: with uh, the boons out there now, you think? Not a whole lot of them. I mean, we've we've wow. done probably maybe one or two other uh, media appearances since then. So hmm. they're still pretty rare and pretty desirable and a whole lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, Having well, played a
4: Skittermander, I can, I can definitely attest to it being fun. <laughs> <laughs>
5: we had a special episode where everyone got to be a Skittermander, and just so we got that out of the way, and uh, <laughs> it, it's never going to happen in yeah. our show probably again. Yeah, <laughs> got that out of our systems. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it, it, um, was,
4: it, was, it was fun, but it was awesome. <laughs> It was yeah. like a four hour event
5: because yeah, we were this. laughing so hard. It's like eating an entire chocolate cake by yourself. It's like, oh, it's great when it's happening. But afterwards, you're like, yeah, maybe never again.
7: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons that we chose the Skittermanders is we wanted yeah. to make sure that it wasn't like 50 bajillion of them out there because uh, they can be a bit of a handful. Yeah. yeah.
5: Awesome. Well, we, we've we talked a good deal about wordplay. play. Can we move on to what is on our mind after just completing it? Uh, the Temple of the Twelve, book two of Dead Sons. Sounds great to me. Uh,
4: this is this has been really fun for me because this is really the first actual adventure path that I've ever played. I, I'm a relatively new uh, tabletop you know, RPG gamer. I've always been interested, but well, growing up in a small town in South Carolina, I didn't have a whole lot of people to play with. But I, I bought some of the books, like Vampire the Masquerade and stuff like that, and, and, and read through them, but never had a chance to play any games until we started gaming recently, and... Starfinder has been my first real adventure path. And so one of the questions I think that I asked um, early on, we did, we did an interview uh, during um, incident on Absalom Station. And obviously they were you know trying to withhold some of the details and we went, didn't want to spill ourselves. But I was kind of curious about the synergy of making an adventure path. And I think that it was likened to kind of making a season of television. So, how how much going in do you do you know as far as what what connective tissue you have to pull in, and then what you get to make up in in that in, in that book, like in book two? Because at the end of book two, like the you know you kill uh, Talmen, but uh, the cult's still out there, aren't they? Oh, they absolutely are. Out <laughs> yeah. There.
7: Yeah. So at the beginning of each adventure path, uh, the people who are organizing that create a massive outline. Um, one of these adventure path outlines is at least the size of one of our player companion books. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of background uh, story that goes into it, there's a full timeline. Um, and then each of the volumes has its own sub outline that's part of that. So when I got uh, the outline to uh write up temple of the 12 it came with about two pages of um background for that particular volume as well as things that needed i needed to make sure that i included so i was told for example okay we're going to go to that fourth continent on castravel we're going to Mm. uh go to an elven temple that has the connections to ibra um and there sure will be a Karasha Lashunta mystic who is a member of the Cult of the devourer, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm told that you know we should start in um, the the city as and uh, that there should be that preliminary starship uh, com. But from there, it's a matter of back and forth with the developer of, ok, so now that I have this outline, I need to start filling in the blanks. That's where I start bringing in like my archaeology background, and I say, "Oh, but we could turn it into this series of little pyramid structures, like uh, excavating in Honduras. We could bring mm-hmm. in uh, potsherds analysis. We can bring in this uh, university with all of these um, these academics, kind of squabbling back and forth with each other. Uh, so it's, it's a chance to inject personal experience and and personal ideas." into the skeleton of this adventure to really fill things in. Because again, like there were only about three or four encounters that were dictated that needed to happen in the scenario. And all the rest is, hey, Rob, here's what I'd like to see happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm but it's nice because with that outline i have i have all the other volumes outlined so i have enough knowledge to know how part one ends and how i need to pick it up and know where part three needs to pick up from there so i can build oh, okay. in the clues in for it. from
5: there can we so, backpedal so we had lo- oh, i'm just sorry real quick can we backpedal and say do you say you have archaeology uh background
7: yeah um, my background is in Mesoamerican archaeology as well as wow. uh, Western classical studies and that makes so much degree, sense now <laughs> and then I have a master's degree in experimental archaeology, which is the replication of primitive or of prehistoric technologies. In my case, my focus was on uh the uh, metallurgy uh, practices of the Western Honduran peoples uh, adjacent to the mayans
5: awesome uh, okay, well, that puts this book in such a greater context yeah it really
7: does <laughs> appreciation
5: yeah. Yeah, i want to I mean, go back and read it again now
0: <laughs> yeah i uh I, I definitely wanted to ask you about some of your uh some of your influences uh for the story i mean there are a lot of sort of beats that felt really you know you know familiar to other stories we oh. sort of heard but you know when but like you know, kind of in preparation for the interview, I looked you up
5: and I was like, oh, he was an archaeologist. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, um, a couple of us have uh, been in academia before uh, as students, but that the section on and Cabaret, I don't think there are other authors out there that could have just come up with that. You know, uh, the, the, the squabbling between the professors and, you know, the, the threats about tenure. That all—it seemed yeah, like that's it was all real from American <laughs> yeah. real place. It,
7: it's it's too real. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely had an opportunity to continue in academia, um, which I did not follow for several different reasons. But uh, certainly, in retrospect, avoiding the publish or perish sort of model or the mm-hmm. oh, who gets to be the. Tenured professor now. Um, oh, I see. I have an academic disagreement with this person. How much are they going to throw me under a bus? Um, those Wait, are what, are I- what are
0: the political? What are the political implications of my of my disagreement with this person? Yeah.
7: <laughs> Absolutely. And so, I, I I can't say that I have a whole lot of firsthand experience with that sort of back and forth, but I have heard enough about it through advisors or through mm. seeing friends go through it, where it's just. Okay, I can. That is totally the basis for an urban uh, investigation. Let's let's bring this all in. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah.
5: So we we spent like good two or three episodes on that section of the book, you know, the the role play introduction to 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 Cabaret and the university thereof. And, you know, not a lot of guns were fired. Not a lot of axes were, were swung. But I enjoyed it a great deal. I enjoyed prepping that that part and, you know, setting up. All of the, um, you know, kind of ways, like if they do this, this happens and, uh, you know, all the branching paths through the university. And and obviously they all, only took one path, <laughs> like a couple others <laughs> fell behind. Um, oh, I, I really enjoyed threatening teachers. <laughs> But, you know, one of the things it says in the book is, well, if they get violent in the the university, they get asked to leave and they can come back, you know, the next day and apologize. I'm like, oh, gosh, that's in there because some some game groups will definitely (laughs) start pulling out weapons. (laughs)
0: And
7: and from an organized play perspective, that's one of the reasons I love org play so much is that I get to GM for so many groups. It's not. It's not playing with uh, the same group of like four to six people. It's every time I'm doing this, I'm getting a whole bunch of different perspectives and a whole bunch of different completely madcap ideas of how people (laughs) want to do things. So when I look at one of these investigations, which are so fun to write, I think, okay, how would that table have done this? And how would they have screwed (laughs) it up? How can I provide the GM with at least a little bit of help for when the – when they inevitably try to find the rails and go off of them. Yeah, when
0: when inevitably this player group gets together and plays this thing. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it's it's funny because we had the potential for that because I think my character you weren't allowed to have weapons in, but he had some concealed weapon or something to where his gun was
5: not seen, but he had it the entire time. And uh, yeah, I think you cast holographic image on it, right, and just like. Kind I, of- Melted it away. Yeah, I did
4: something to where I had it. I think Patrick was like waiting for me to like just do something, and I never did. I never did. (laughs) (laughs) But it was there. But it was there. To be fair, your your
5: character's brain is a lethal weapon. So (laughs) that's also true. Um, Well, and let's talk real quick about the the other two parts of of book 2 which is this trek through the jungle and then w- we just got finished with the the actual you know titular temple itself uh some pretty pretty awesome ideas but it is that was difficult that was a long trek yeah. it uh, as they were getting ready to to jump into the jungle players were pretty pretty worried about you know everything people in real life would be worried about Uh, you know, having enough food, having enough ammunition, you know, being able to find their way. And we did a number of those survival checks. And every time they failed, they were so unhappy. (laughs) 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 There were some groans on the podcast.
4: Yeah, there were. But I think as a player, I thought that element was so interesting. Um, I thought I thought having that kind of you know, the danger of the actual physical world was really, really cool. And and I didn't know until, you know, I think somebody mentioned Pathfinder chases. I had never experienced a a oh, chase boy. scene in a, a game like this before. Like cause we had we had played a homebrew Pathfinder game a little bit before doing this podcast and I had played Numenera and that was that's all of my actual experience. Mm-hmm. So this was my first chase and <laughs> it we, was so do-
5: cool. Yeah, let's talk about the Yark Stampede. <laughs> um, yeah, those
7: those are a lot of fun. Uh, like the mm-hmm. idea that over time, like Pathfinder's, uh, Pathfinder Chases started off as a, oh, if you run into the obstacle and you can't overcome it, game over. Um, and we've really come around to the idea of like fail forward mysteries, mm-hmm. fail forward chases. So the Yareks definitely show that where it's, okay, we are still going to gradually make progress, but we're going to get, you know, pushed into a tree in the meantime or uh branches will fall on us or they'll kick a rock over on us or they're screaming so loudly that our eardrums are bursting yeah yeah, simple (laughs) Uh, stuff we eventually rolled everything on that table (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) none
5: of these are are spoilers i I gotta say prepping that uh, i made sure uh, that just going around it was an option and i i kind of secretly hoped That they would, because I was like, "Oh, this is gonna take forty to fifty minutes (laughs) with five people trying to outrun the these Yeriks." And I I was worried that you know people might get you know tired uh, of um, of the run. But uh, talking to the players, can you guys confirm? Was that one of your favorite parts of? uh, I I loved it. Like
4: I think that and and you know even as as how I feel about you know being in the jungle or being in the woods. I thought as as far as mechanics go, I thought that a lot of stuff in this book was was so much fun. And to me, it was stuff that I didn't expect. You know, I, I expect to to role play and to get into battles and do a couple of interactive things with the world, but I didn't expect, you know, um, survival checks for the heat and, and chases and stuff. So for mm. me as, as a new player, it was really, really exciting.
0: Yeah, I would say um, I was doing a lot of that groaning uh, <laughs> regarding the uh, people fail the, yeah, the, the fortitude yeah. saves uh, due to the heat. Um, because I played Rise of the Rune Lords, um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's this whole book in Rise of the Rune Lords where you're making these uh, these uh, fortitude checks for the entire book, and it was truly debilitating, and everyone at the table was miserable. Uh, <laughs>
5: Yeah, as your players Patrick, should have been. Patrick,
0: so. Yeah, uh, Patrick can confirm this. He was GMing, um, <laughs> and uh, just just so, like your characters so, uh, not yeah, having but, a good time. There was, there was something. Yeah, there was there was something about the way that this mechanic was sort of laid out in this book that made it feel a little bit less punishing. Just punishing, you know, due to the fact that nobody happened to know endure in, in, elements, for example. Um, so <laughs>
7: yeah and And that's something we've uh, really learned again from organized play, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh okay, we sure could follow the exact rules in the book which say every hour do this thing, but for a like a twelve day trek, nobody nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm, like there's right. no fun in that. So keep it simple. keep the ramifications modest, but have them there. yeah, mm-hmm. um, and then and then get on to the good stuff. Um One of the things that was really a struggle with this one uh, in the beginning, Especially when uh, Rob gave me the outline of like, oh, they're going to do an overland trek through the hot jungle. It's like, okay, but I've read the rules on armor. You guys have environmental protections. You can just flip on the switch and shrug and be done Mm -hmm. with it. So I knew at that point that it had to be longer than a four day trek because that's how long level four armor would last, which is (laughs) what you could probably buy by then. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why it ended up being more like two weeks. And uh, that's also the reason that the, uh, Rencrota fight ended up being toward the end because that, mm-hmm. uh, that fungus storm has a thing where it's, hey, do you have environmental protections left? Turn yeah. them on. Right. Great. You're immune to the fungus. We're done here. Yeah. We had some players
5: that were very smart about, you know, <laughs> saving. Charges. Oh, yeah, yeah we were rat- uh, uh, I I don't trust Patrick one bit. Well, I didn't write the book. You're talking to the guy
4: that did. <laughs> but so, so, so here's the here's the thing. Yeah, I John, to- I don't trust you one bit. <laughs> Good. Good
1: on you. A, as as, as a player, him.
4: I don't right read here. ahead. So like, I go into everything blind. And Patrick hmm. has put a couple of his own things in there. So I don't
5: know what's what until afterward. yeah well i mean so i don't trust <laughs> right at least all. though <laughs> and, and people that are playing at home they uh I, I add in things here or there as well just keep it spicy you know you don't know exactly what's going to happen next or I'll, I'll just you know change the order that things happen i think i might have done that on in book one a few times but um I, you know, when I got book two, John, and I started prepping it for for our podcast here, the, I I, I suppose one of the things I can compliment you on is I didn't feel like I needed to change up fights or scenarios or the way things were ordered at all. It flowed very well, and I think it took us, you know, maybe eight to ten hours (laughs) with a whole bunch of roleplay thrown in for good measure, but... um. Eight, eight
7: episodes of the show is that
5: i think that's right and they just they went by they went by really fast they went by great uh, just because it was so much fun
7: yeah right writing these things is always really great and having all the uh space of an adventure path to play with is mm-hmm. is a blessing because uh, like the first the first 10 pages of this thing are what i especially love of creating characters and showing showing voice in question and answer sessions um, mm-hmm. being able to plug in little bits of, uh, of personal knowledge to make things come alive, like Halkweem Zahn. <laughs> Halkweem Zahn is the encapsulation of every early archaeologist ever, where it's, we we kicked in the door, and then we found things made by savages, and then we <laughs> measured their heads and said, hmm, mm, very well, take it back to the Britain. Uh, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is all ours now. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Here's Heinrich, a flag.
4: <laughs> like Heinrich Schliemann is... That was exactly favorite. what I was thinking of was
7: yeah, it's just like it's a golden mask it has a beard it must be Agamemnon no no it's not, uh, <laughs> not even a little like, bit yeah so well, all those little bits of, of fun and put it in somebody else's voice so so you can just add that met much more canon to the world
4: but yeah. I think that was what's so cool about book two is it's such a different flavor from from book one and it's not what I expected going into to Starfinder like <laughs> you know because I expected a lot of the sci-fi tropes I didn't expect to be playing an adventure pulp, which I thought was a really cool twist.
7: And and I think that's a good choice on Rob's part, because he was the one who's uh, been really heading this particular adventure path. And just demonstrating that Starfinder is not just limited to the starship combat and being on a space station. It, it still has all the opportunities that Pathfinder does, but you're shooting lasers at this point. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I, I found it a fantastic opportunity to just show off what Starfinder can offer,
5: and and that it did for sure. <laughs> we, uh, you know, from from the chases to the fights to those sections in the the beginning where you got to navigate with a uh, with skills and role play. I mean, it's, it's got a good deal of everything. It's, it's very similar to the, the first book that was a
7: great mix bag. So, what do you guys end up doing with the uh, the Devourer Cultist that you find in the woods?
4: Oh Rokowie. Yeah. We, we
7: we befriended her more or less.
4: Good.
6: <laughs> Good.
5: More or less. Good. But yeah, the, the fate of, of Rokowi is uh unfortunately a super positive one. But uh <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. yeah, that is um that's something and it's it's so great. Once again, I prepped, I was ready for her to be killed immediately, uh for her to be left, or for the players to, you know, kind of pick her up and dust her off and and try and bring her back but i it it went in a lot of different ways that i I didn't expect and i had to kind of rewrite things so if if you're listening at home and you've gm this as well you probably know talking
4: about yeah they ended up bonding with one of our one of our players and uh unfortunately didn't didn't last the the talman fight no
0: <laughs> anyway yeah i was i was really curious i mean like <laughs> but, but yeah but I, I still am curious like what some of your like influences were for this uh adventure or for the, for this book like because like, like i said a lot of those there are a lot of beats that felt really familiar um and like you know for you know, There are parts that felt a lot like Jurassic Park, for example. And I'm curious, like what other like, you know, books or, you know, films or or what what other things you might have been pulling from uh, to kind of generate some of that.
7: That, Or if if, if any at all. That's one of the problems is that uh, compared to a lot of my colleagues, I am really media illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> they'll mention like a movie that i i recognize the name of they will say oh well it has this person this person this person and i'll recognize at least two of those names i can't put a face to them i can't right. tell you what else they were in yeah. but i can nod politely and say that sure is a thing yeah i um, bet that's true <laughs> yeah so again a lot of this is based off of My academic background, uh, a lot of the structure is it is based off of my uh, developing Pathfinder Society scenarios for so long. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is just is just from taking an idea of, okay, we need to get from point A to point B and thinking through all the different ways that it could go wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. Being able to just step outside of myself as an author and think, how are they going to mess this up or what Mm -hmm. is going to try to mess them up along the way just starts spawning all sorts of different ideas. Um, that's where knowing that, uh, there was a little bit of information in distant worlds, uh, about Castroville. Um, mm-hmm. and so that was a good starting point for knowing about like the biological diversity, but there was absolutely nothing about Ukulam, that continent. Um even going into this adventure path when I got the outline, it was they go to the that northwest continent we haven't named yet. <laughs> <laughs> you should name this. Uh, so
0: so, it's like okay, so it was what? a completely blank slate there.
7: Yeah, absolutely was. They should be looking for these elves and I say and I look at it like, okay, do we know anything about these elves? No, says Rob. <laughs> okay. Um, well they're going to have a culture. Because they should have a culture they should have reasons for being here they need they need a story. Uh, so every time one of those questions came up, it was it just spawned more and more ideas. so I didn't I'm sure that there are tons and tons of different books and media that helped to shape this, whether mm-hmm. it's inspiring a style of scene or the like. but explicitly, very few of them did. Um, mm-hmm. It was more just a matter of asking questions that's
0: that's really neat that's uh, that's that's really neat that's really neat that uh...
5: A lot of those beats sort of like kind of emerge sort of organically. I, know, I, I like that. It has been uh, pretty amazing uh, talking both about the, the book that we just finished and getting a little bit of insight into organized play before I myself jump in uh, for the, the first time to to game master some. John, thank you so much for being here.
7: <laughs> it's been my pleasure. I'm, I'm really happy that people are enjoying the adventure.
5: Oh, we yes. had an absolute blast. Total blast. Yeah. Thank you. L- love, love reading other people's, you know, playthroughs and listen to other podcasts play through it. And it, it's, it's so much fun. If people wanted to, to find you online, uh, to chat you up, are, are there places where they can do that?
7: Sure thing. Uh, so I patrol the paizo.com message boards pretty frequently and check in on a lot of the threads in the Pathfinder Society and Starfinder Society, uh, sub threads, um, I'm also on Twitter at archaeotag A-R-C-H-A-E-O-T-A-G-H. And um, I am on Facebook, but I tend to be very bad about accepting friend requests. So I'll probably need to go through <laughs> and check through those. But my Twitter account is certainly a good way to quickly contact me or tag me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you
5: so much for being here. Guys, any, any last remarks before we sign off for this bit? No, just I love the book. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, John. Uh, great great job.
7: My pleasure, and uh, for all of your listeners especially, uh, whenever you play an adventure, whether you like it, hate it, or feeling it has room for improvement, uh, we always benefit from having your reviews on Python. Pis- awesome.
5: Well, yeah, then send, send them out. If you <laughs> if you played through book two, we'll, we'll send a link on where to, to write that review. Sounds great to me. Alright, thanks again and uh, you guys have a great night. Good night. Thank you.